Looking for your next holiday? Maybe a long weekend with your mates? Or really need to get to the next game? Then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. Plus, because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com.au forward slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Grant Chapel, Steve Maven, Darren Brown. <laughs> Chaps is red hot here, so my phone was running hot there for a while. But could you catch him? Well, only if I got a bit of a start. <laughs> it's great for rugby league, but more importantly, it's great for the mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chapel. I'm joined by two former Rabbitohs: Darren Brown, Steve Maven. What's going, boys? Hello, chaps. Hello, Brownie. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are we all? Mate, I'm fantastic, mate. It's a beautiful Easter weekend. Uh, happy Easter to all those listeners out there. Just to get it out the way, a bit of housekeeping. I'm in my house at Matraville. Brownie's at Botany. Mavo, where are you, mate? I'm down at beautiful Sussex Inlet on the south coast, just past Nowra, at the mother-in-laws where all the families down here. So that's why we're doing this Zoom, because we can't all be in the studio at once, so... We've prepared a bit of the show earlier this week and we're going to bring you the show via Zoom. So if the sound quality isn't our usual top-notch self, then that's why. Yeah, but a little bit similar to last weekend, boys. We we played earlier in the weekend and we had a great win and it makes the weekend so much better, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does, mate. And uh, it was also yesterday was also the start of the Major League Baseball season. I've been a baseball fan for 20 or 30 years, boys, and, and my team come from five or six runs down and had a win in the top of the ninth, so even better. All right, boys, we're going to recap that shutout at ANZ Stadium yesterday over the Bulldogs, where we probably never really got to a great group, but we, we, we did enough to, to really give it to that mob, the old Bulldogs. And I have a one-on-one chat there with Les Bundy Davison, one of the hard mans from the 80s and 90s. And our remembering a Rabideau this week is another bloke from those great 50 sides, Malcolm Spencer. And we also preview next Thursday night's clash against the Broncos at ANZ Stadium, boys. Oh, it's a big show. Let's, let's go. Let's rip. I think it's Stadium Australia now. No more ANZ, but, so we don't want to give them a free plug if they're not fronting up with the money. But anyway, I'd like to congratulate Botany United Cricket Club for winning their first first-grade title ever. And, yeah, so good on those boys. I'm a Botany boy, so I know it's not a cricket show. but So those boys will be the pride of Borrelly Oval for this season. Uh, Borrelly, that's what Brownie's about stone throw from Borrelly Oval as we speak. I've got a pretty big backyard in, in Borrelly Oval and I've got a big in-ground pool just across the road as well. Yeah, Botany Pool. You might see a couple of them down the Captain Cook Hotel celebrating their victory. Maybe you got to speak to Matty Green during the week. I did, yeah, our global ambassador over in PNG, and he's actually been speaking to our other ambassador, Nasa Boga, which is good, so we're connecting our fans and our ambassadors across the globe. There was some shocking news, though, Brownie, with a post on Facebook by Yuani and Tara Loa. Yeah, there was, and 
some unfortunate news that happened to one of our very own passionate and loyal South Sydney Rabbitohs supporters. I'll just read the post that she put on the South Sydney fan webpage and we did contact her and let her know that we will be sending our condolences on the show. At Red, my late uncle, Kanzuani, who was a diehard fan of the South Sydney Rabbitohs since he was a young age in the early 1980s. He lived in the village and did not have access to watch the live telecast of his beloved Rabbitohs game. So once again, boys, he, he was listening to it via radio. He, he couldn't actually watch the games because they didn't have coverage. Every Rabbitohs loss affected him greatly. He was looking forward to last week's game against Manly, but unfortunately lost his life at sea. A victim of a crocodile attack in the early hours of Thursday, the 19th of March, 2021. My late Uncle Cairns, 54, a diehard fan from the Kinikalana village, Aroma Coast, Central Province, Papua New Guinea. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the Yuani family, boys. What a story. Unbelievable. I know. I spoke to Matty Green about it, and he said, yeah, he, he said, you'd be surprised how many people go down to Crocs in PNG, but it doesn't rate a mention. He died at sea, but there's heaps of villages on rivers. There's no running water for showers, so everyone bathes and washes clothes in the river. He said, it's pretty effing scary taking a wash at night when we head to the village. You go with company, and someone stands with a torch and flashes it around the water, looking for the glow of the Crocs' eyes. He said, so you have quick washes. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, look, it's sad, and it's happened to one of our very own Rabbitohs supporters, and our our thoughts and, and prayers go out to the Yuani family and, and rest in peace, Ken. Well, echo, echo the sentiments. I know, look, I mean, in my street, we've got a pretty mean dog up the street, but it's nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like a crocodile, boys. So yeah. I guess no. you've got to count your lucky stars. Well, Top. you can come to my house. My, my people will let you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Granny's got a bit of a, bru- bit of a bruiser in there, four-legged bruiser in there as well, yeah. Those tubs would be quick. You would hardly get yourself wet, wouldn't you, before you're jumping out, worrying about the croc getting you. But anyway. I'd rather not have a shower. <laughs> there you go, about. <laughs> you have a pommy. Pommy shower. Also, Jerry Lissing did a post on Facebook about his actor son, Daniel Lissing, watching the Bunnies game in the US. And he said, where are our international members and fans watching from overseas? It was a great post and in line with our Connecting the Rabbitohs community motto again. So, yeah, Brownie, you spoke to a couple of the people in that post? Yeah, I did, mate. Yeah, I, I reached out to them and, and sent everyone a message just notifying them of the podcast if they didn't already know about it. A lot of them didn't. And it's just a great way of connecting the Rabbitohs community all over the world. And Jerry Lissing's done a, a great job there reaching out to all the international fans. And there's so many of them all around the world. You know, Papua New Guinea, like we just spoke about, Minnesota, South Africa, New Zealand. We've got supporters all around the world, boys. And you spoke to James Murray in PNG. Sent you some photos? Yeah, he did. Another passionate supporter, James. And we'll post them photos on our webpage. And what a great fellow he is. Just loves his rabbitos. Transferred his wife, who was a, a Broncos supporter, and now she's a Rabbitohs supporter, and all the kids are South Sydney Rabbitohs fans. So, well done to James. We also spoke to Pia Vaca 
Nua, who might be our first New Zealand ambassador, because he sent us back a message, so we might have had that country covered and look forward to hearing some of their stories over there across the ditch. Never missed out a bit over there, boys. The, the Kiwi South fans and all, all the um, rugby league fans over there who don't go for the Warriors or for the or for the Warriors, they, they haven't had a game for two years over there. So he was sort of writing a little bit about that, saying uh, he used to really look forward to the South game. They get over there, watch it, watch the game, and try and meet and get a few photos of the players. And, and our Kiwi fans have missed out on that. And hopefully they do get a game or two next year over there. Yeah, I heard him say that. And. There's another gentleman from England who's got a friend up in the north of England who we might be getting as well. So, yeah, we're, we're branching out and they're valuable to us, these global ambassadors. Yeah, no, that, that fan was from Warrington, uh, up there where Jason Clark and, and Greg Inglis are playing. So it would be great to uh, get some coverage on them boys as well and see how they're going. I don't think GI has played as yet. They had a win last night, Warrington. Oh, yeah. Overnight. Well, that was unreal. Did he play GI or did I don't know? No, no. They said the bloke who played his position is going to put pressure on him. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if they got reserve grade over there, but I don't know. <laughs> GI might find it tough getting in this side. He must be all right if he's putting pressure on GI. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so, well, there's actually a photo of that guy up in Warrington with Jace Clark. So we'll share that one on the episode webpage as well. And just quickly, Paddy Lydon, in that same message we're talking about from Jerry Lissing in that thread of posts, he said, I'm from Oregon on the West Coast, USA. He's been there for three years now. And when footy season's on, it makes him homesick. He said he took some gravel from Redfern Oval over. And when his son was born, he laid it out on the floor. So the first time his feet touched the ground, he stood on a part of Redfern. And his first ever outfit was red and green. So how's that for a story? (laughs) That's commitment. I love it. I do love it. Uh, he might have took some gravel, but geez, I lost some. <laughs> yeah, gravel you rash. Might have had some of your teeth out there, some former South Sydney teeth ground yeah. up in that soil. I'd say some brown DNA in that. that that's it. Okay. Redfern Oval, what a place! Yeah, the hallowed turf of Redfern. It'll never get old. Anyway, we're going to feature this week our Philippines ambassador Paul Wicks, aka Wixy who was born in Surrey Hills in December 1947 and was raised in Matter. He first saw South Sydney play in 1956. Clive Churchill was knocked unconscious and taken off on a stretcher. The little master was hit by a manly player, Hugo, who was sent off. He said about 10 minutes later, Clive Churchill sprinted out of the tunnel straight back into the game. And he said, I've been a Rabbitohs fan ever since. So Paul also says he played for Junior League for Matto Tigers and he coached Matto as well. His two sons are Junior Life members. And his oldest son played against me and you, Brownie. I also co- he said he also coached in Yamba and was a part-time development officer for the Country Rugby League. So he's been involved in the CRL. He said he's retired these days and he lives on President Carlos Garcia Island, Philippines, with a population of about 20,000. And it's part of the Bajol province in Region 7 of the Philippines. He said he loves his, bran- he said he loves his bunnies and will promote them always to my Filipino in-laws and friends. So, yeah, that sounds like a beautiful place that... President Carlos Garcia Island. There's 20,000 fans there. We want them all listening to the podcast at some stage. And if you're ever going to go to the Philippines, what if? That's Aussie for travel. Nice plug there. And thanks, Wixie, and thanks to all our global ambassadors. Chaps, let's have a look at the recap of this game. Yeah, boys, it was, um, I guess the Bulldogs stuck it to us a little bit early in that contest. And uh, for 15 minutes in it, there wasn't even a score on the board, but 
I, th- I think we just stuck to the middle of the field, straight straight down Main Street. Eventually, eventually it paid dividends, boys, with a with a with a pretty big win in there, thirty eight points to nil. And I, I shut out. The Bulldogs have been shut out three weeks in a row. The foot, I think, only the second team in NRL history to be shut out three weeks in a row. I can you remember the last time we um, had a shutout there, boys, where we we kept the opponent to zero. Parramatta, mate. Remember the score? Thirty-eight nil. Bang! Yeah, we, we we've we've done that again. Thirty-eight nil. And I was I just thought to myself, I might have a look past and said, when was the last time we were kept to zero? He's probably can't remember that one, boys. But it was it was against the Cowboys. We got beat twenty nil up at uh, Barlow Park on the third of July in two thousand and sixteen, boys, up in Cairns. So it's been a long time since we've been uh, shut out. That's for sure. Five odd years, and then. The time before that, I said, when was the last time we actually kept the side to zero before that Parramatta game? And it was a game I remember vividly. It was pretty wild weather. It was pissing down rain and we beat the Sharks 18 blot. May 26, 2014, boys. Another very special year. So hopefully history repeats itself. You know, just, just getting back to the, the game, Chaps, and I think you said it in the intro, we really didn't get into our groove in our attack. Uh, the game was set up with once again our defence, even though we did win 38 nil, yeah, our defence was rock solid. And like you just said, chaps, and what you were touching on, uh, holding them to nil would have been a big goal towards the end of that game. And and it wasn't that the Bulldogs they had plenty of opportunity to score against us, and our goal line defence was outstanding uh, for mm. a, a big big part of that game. And you know, but we didn't really get out of third gear, did we, boys? No, but when we did, gee, Cody and Cookie, what a combo. Rolls off the tongue too. Cody Walker, what a player. He, If we win this competition, I think they said it in the call, it's going to be due to him lighting up the opposition defences and Cookie as well. He responded after week one criticisms and he's been sensational ever since. And I'll just go through it here. Josh Mansour, I thought, 19 runs. 140 metres, eight tackle busts, one try. That's the Josh Mansell we've been pumping up. That's the Josh Mansell we want. He played played well, Mavo. And you know what? 114 of those metres in the first half. So he didn't get a lot of opportunities in the second half. But his mm. first, he, the first half by Josh Mansell really set the win up, mate. Mm. A couple of balls there he, he, he doesn't usually catch. And they were down around his ankles. And he was pulling them in from everywhere, wasn't he? Around his back. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Reminded me of myself back in my heyday. <laughs> on the wing there. Anyway, Ali Jean up. Let's forget about that. Anyway, Joy Arrow. Wow. I mean, I, I was I was driving down the coast and I sort of was we're trying to hook up the trailer and I was a bit stressful, but we got down here and I didn't watch the game closely. But I did see Joy sort of everywhere. And what about 41 minutes of the game? 19 runs, 186 metres, 81 post-contact metres, two offloads, 24 tackles. He's dead set having a go, this kid. Oh, he, was, he was fantastic. He led the metres for the game. He's also... Those 81 post-contact metres are the most by Rabideau player this season. Uh, he, he is proving to be one of the real real buys of the season. Foot speed. Um, he just keeps driving in the tackle. And he's a good defender too, boys. He, he put a couple of shots on during the game. He was uh, he was a massive standout along with Thomas. And 181 metres. Thomas, I thought it was one of his better games. Of the oh, season. yeah, I'll say that. He was good. He sort of came back on a, on a nice angle. Look, I mean, we had plenty of performers. Like, I mean, our whole starting 13, boys, there was only one player who didn't run for 100 metres. Even Adam Reynolds ran for 140-odd metres. <laughs> it was Damien yes. Cook. And um, Damien Cook was outstanding, mate. He was the only one that didn't run for 100. 
he ran for 92 metres, boys. So mm. he didn't have a bad day at all, Cookie. Yeah, you go. Well, with, with them 91 metres, I think he, I think he set up two or three tries with his scoots out of dummy half. And just going back to Jai Arrow, what an awkward type of player he is to tackle. He, he's unstructured. You know, he, he runs a little oh, yeah. bit crab field and then straightens up in, into the gap. Just a, a great player to have, a great player to, great player to bring off the bench. Um, obviously, you know, he'd probably like to start, but Jeezy's doing a, a great job uh, as a substitute. Yeah, he is. And my favourite player of the game was our boy Keon Gallimatungi. Had another great game. Flicked the ball out to Benji Marshall, I think it was, who puts it on the toe with a no-look kick. For our man Latrell Mitchell to just, just scoot through, pick it up. Try, it? it was a try. It was a try to save her. I did enjoy that moment in the match. Just like to give Reno a, a big rap, just on his game and his running game. I said last week that he he took the line on a, a few times, and this week he did the same. And when he's doing that, you know he's arguably one of the best number sevens in the game. And I'm glad we got him at this club and. I hope we uh, we secure his services for the next couple of years. Yeah, me too, mate. Um, I'm, I'm hoping common sense prevails. I believe Blake's getting in on the act, and uh, they're going to they're going to meet early early next week, Monday, Tuesday. We're recording here Saturday morning, obviously. So hopefully, in the next few weeks, we might have um, our captain courageous on the dotted line. Just just t- want to touch on the Bulldogs, boys. Geez, they're in some trouble, aren't they? Oh, they were ordinary. One day it was just it was a, it was embarrassing and they kept showing Trent Barrett and you know he's he's been at a few clubs and I think the Bulldogs fans might be asking whether Trent Barrett is the answer but you know he he's not out there playing on the field and you can see they're doing their best you know they've had a couple like Nick Kotrick has come there and they've got a couple of new players but it's just not working is it? Well, we we didn't get out of third gear and they never troubled us at all and we won thirty eight nil. Just imagine if we clicked. Like the, the week before against the Roosters when we were on song. I think that game might have took a, a little bit out of us. We looked a little bit flat. But if our attack was in the groove, well, that could have been anything that game. Yeah, boys, I also just want to give a wrap to Cody Walker. He's had um, back-to-back doubles, five tries in four games. Uh, no 5-8 in the games. Putting the ball over the strike like this bloke. But um, in breaking news, hold the phone here... Um, Cody Walker has been charged with a uh, with that little striking charge where he hit Bulldog Nick Meany in the back of the head. He is facing either a one or two weeks, one week with an early guilty plea, two weeks if he fights it and uh, gets beat, boys. And also Keon Kalamatungi, he's facing a lot longer on the side. He's looking at a two to three week ban on the sideline after being charged with a grade two crusher tackle on centre Will Hopawado. Pretty tough news there, boys. Yeah, it is. Look, it's it's going to hurt us, but the beauty about it is we've got depth in the club now. You know, if Cody does take the early guilty plea and miss a week, well, look who we've got to come in and fill his shoes. A player, a 300-game experience, and what a job. He played another role yesterday, number nine. Cookie had a blinder and he got an early shower and Benji comes on and plays number nine. Yeah, it gives an opportunity to to another bloke, especially Benji, to get some minutes. And also, I'd say someone like a Jacob Host, there's a bit of a big mm. unit. He started in that game um, down in Melbourne. He might get a reprieve and come in on the bench or, or he might even come in as a starter in mm. that, um, 
that left edge position, boys. So just, just on yeah. that, who, who comes on and uh, plays the 14 role, chaps? Yeah, well, I suppose we've got a couple of those um, young halves. Dean Hawkins? Dean Hawkins or, or Troy Dargan. But also, I'd like to see a bloke get a run like a, a Josh Cook, mate, who can play back row, mm. play the nine. Uh, I'm not sure about the halves there, but... He could sort of plug a few holes there if yeah. need be. Well, Dean Hawkins was on the extended bench this week, so he may be a candidate for that. Or they might go for a, a four-forward rotation off the bench. So that remains to be seen. So, Okay, boys, let's move on. This is Rabbitohs News, brought to you by the Juniors Group of Clubs. Now, our next show will be Magic Round, South versus the Sharks at Suncorp, 15th of May from 5pm at the Juniors Malabar this time. So we're going up there to that new venue. I'm excited for that one, lads. Yeah, no, definitely. Good good group of people out there at Malabar and a lot of the young blokes get up there and cheer on the mighty Rabbitohs. We've had a lot of requests if we could go up there and do the show. And it's happening, boys. We're out there, so make sure you get up to Malabar and cheer us on. Yeah, so I've had plenty of nights up there. The old Malabar RSL, now the Juniors Malabar. So that's going to be good. Also, the Rabbitohs are holding school holiday clinics for kids. So that's the April school holidays. Questions can be directed to membership at rabbitohs.com.au. Also, Sato's Academy is on Thursday, the 8th of April at Mascot Oval. Head to Instagram, Sato's underscore Academy to register. That'll be great for the kids. The legendary Rabbitohs. That'll be, that'll be big, mate. And all the South Sydney first grade team will be down there. So. Oh, there you go. Um, I encourage any kids to to jump onto that Instagram page there, Sato's underscore Academy, and register. So it's going to be a fantastic day down there. There'll be food, prizes, all sorts of things. Um, I encourage everyone to get behind that against the 300 gamer, Big Johnny Sutton. Yeah, but what about all the first grade players for the kids down there and all the experience that they're going to bring down and just teach them the basics of rugby league? Mm-hmm. And I think the Rabbitohs radio team will be down there with our wealth of experience too, if anyone wants to you know, learn how to swerve, put the palm on, chip over the top, Brownie. I know that was one of your... Just <laughs> a love chip and, chip and chasing. When Phil Blake wasn't doing it, I was doing it. Yeah, Waterloo Oval, never saw anything like it. I can know because I was there. Also, SPA, the South Players Association, are holding an event, Excitement Machines, celebrating some of South's greatest players, that have brought the fans to their feet over the last 60 years. Now, it's being held in the Winter Room at the Juniors, Kingsford, Saturday the 1st of May from 12 to 4 p.m. It's $150 a head or a table of 10 for $1,400. That includes a food and drinks package plus entertainment. It'll be a great day, and the Rabbitohs radio team will be at that one as well. To book, email events at southplayers.com or call 0414-525-399. And what about some of the players, the excitement machines that have been nominated? The man I just spoke about, Phil Blake, Terry Fay, who we've had on the show, Mitch Brennan. A great. I think Bob McCarthy as well. Who can forget the intercept in that 67 grand final, I think it was. So we've had some excitement machines, and it's going to be an exciting night, and everyone is welcome. So that rolls into our spotlight on the pathways. Chaps, what do you got for us? Yeah, mate, um... Our younger side, the, the Mats and the Ball, were down at Leichhardt Oval on Easter Friday. A bit of a clash of schedules. Unfortunately, S2 Ball's on at the same time as our first grade team. Obviously, 
Johnny Sutton had to do blue short duties. He wasn't there. But anyway, we'll just run through it. Harold Matthews, both balloons team. I've beaten 28-18. Sounds like it was a pretty gallant effort there. Um, they're trying to finish the season off strongly. They've got one more game next week against the Bulldogs. And they're looking to try and finish off on a positive note. SG Ball had their first loss of the season, boys. One of my spies was down there on the ground there. Um, Andrew Pom Roberts, former Rabbitoh. And he said, uh, Davey Wale is pretty impressive in the first half. One of the first times Tom's ever got laid eyes on him, he said, he's going to be something special in the future. There's a, they had a couple of tries against the run of play. Um, the, the Rabbits, the Tigers sort of kicked away a bit and we didn't kick a lot of goals. So they were knocked off 36 points to 20. But um, they're looking to finish off pretty strong against the Dogs next week and cement um, a top four position. So that, that, that'll be 1v2 next week against the Dogs, won't it, Chats? Well, there's a couple of games to go. We, we might actually finish outside it now. Um, I think the Roosters, Canberra and Bulldogs are still going to play this weekend. They could actually leapfrog us and Manly. At the moment, us and Manly are in first place on 13 points. The other three teams are on 12. So possibly uh, we could be leapfrogged there. But we'll, we'll see how that one unfolds over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. And the knock-on effect cup, we play Mounties at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Obviously, that hasn't happened as we're recording here on midday on Saturday, but um, good luck to all those fellas there. All right, boys, our um, Rabbitohs Radio's own Joe O'Callaghan, soon, the coach of the Jersey Fleet. Now, now they were down 24-12, to 12, and before Lachlan Elias put the team on his back, he scored a try, set one up, and then kicked the winning field goal to win 25 points to 24 points. He had an absolute blinder from um, I think Mark Sivis give me a little text about that uh, and also Chris Izard. I think that field goal was kicked in the last minute too, chaps. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um, this is a bloke who is highly touted um, by all our recruitment staff and JD's a big fan of his going forward. So, And he's a, he's a good He's a good um, shape of a kid too, mate. He's no little fella, that's for sure. I was when the captain's running, he he took part in that the other day, and he's pretty solid for for a half. He's got a, a fair frame on him. Yeah, we've got some uh, got some great halves coming through in our junior system. You've got Lachlan Ilias, Blake Taft, and Dean Hawkins, who you just mentioned before, mate, who could be a possibility of playing this week. Yeah, and. Lachlan Elias, we've mentioned him before, and he is part of that Adam Reynolds debate. And you know, it's it's because the kid can play. This is something they have to weigh up. So you're going to be hearing more about this and that kid, Lachlan Elias. Remember the name in the future. Okay, let's throw it away. Our first break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. <laughs> Rabbitohs Radio listeners, we've got former Rabbitoh, hard man of rugby league through the 80s and 90s, Rabbitoh number 714, Les Davison, welcome to Rabbitohs Radio mate. Cheers mate, great to be on. No worries mate, now your nickname's Bundy, I might start there mate, where'd you get that nickname? Uh, one of my roommates when I first came to Sydney in 83 um, was the Rampling Boys, Tony and Dean, and, and me and Dean were out one night, I'm 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe up the cross or something, and, and we had to get home. So and it wasn't the safest of areas. So Dino said, "Grab something. You better grab something to protect yourself with." So I picked up the biggest stick I could find, and I said, "I've got my bundi." And he's laughing, and he said, "What's a bundi?" And I said, "It's a big stick." And he said, "He says that that's you from now on. You're you're bundi." Oh, the Rampling Brothers. They must have been good blokes to come into grade with, mate. Mate, I was blessed. Um, I, I lived when when I first got to Sydney. Um, Parker, Terry Parker put me up in the George Hotel for about the first month and Dino happened to injure himself. He had done his ACL, I think, back then. So I moved in with Tony and um, and Dean eventually moved back in once he was rehabilitated. So Tony was a mad trainer, mad runner, and um, he needed a running partner. So when we weren't training at South, we'd do uh, extras, as, as they call them, and, and I'd train, run with Tony and Dean was a mad Try, uh, waist trainer so he'd get me in the gym so probably three or four days a week and you know I'd be training with those boys so they were a huge influence on my career yeah oh you've been great coming into you know a team with them blokes in it mate you would have been felt pretty safe mate um we might we might start where you're from mate now where are you from and what was it like growing up there uh central west I was born in Burke I uh, lived there for three years until um my parents uh, moved to Dubbo through work. Um, so I was born in Burke, raised in Dubbo until the age of 19 when I left to come to Sydney, yeah. Dubbo boy, eh? Well, we happen to be playing two games up there over the next two seasons, up there at Apex Oval, and Sunday the 23rd of May this year, we're playing the Penrith Panthers. That's, that's going to be a big clash, mate. Are you going to get yourself out there? Yeah, um... I was. Uh, I happened to go to the Mudgee game, and um, Shannon Donato there, who's heavily involved with the South, he he invited me along because I was a country boy, Dubbo boy, to um, attend um, the Penrith South game in round seventeen. I think it is. So, yeah, looking forward to that. So I'll, I'm coming along. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, mate. What would that do for the the Dubbo area, mate? They uh, they love their rugby league up there. Mate, really, really proud rugby league team um, and surrounding areas. I, I think. Um, after seeing what, what it was like in Mudgee, I think it's um, going to be a huge boost for Dubbo and uh, surrounding areas, yeah. It'll be great for the economy up there, I'm sure, mate, to get plenty of thousands of mad Penrith fans and South fans up there cheering on their teams, mate, and I hope you enjoy yourself up there, mate. Now, what was your junior club in that area? Uh, I first started um, my football career at Dubbo Police Boys, which is Police Citizen Boys Club, um, Great influence for country kids um, and even Sydney kids. But uh, I played with the police boys from the age of seven to the under-14s and then I moved to uh, Westside, which was uh, red and green as well. And that's where you were, you were spotted there, mate. How, how did you end up at the Rabbits, mate? Uh, well, I, I progressed from um, junior Westside to senior Westside uh, and the, my very first year out of juniors, I, I made the first-grade team... Um, and we went on to play in the Premiership against Narromine. And um, us being red and green, the, the officials of our club got Reggie Rabbit to, to attend our grand final day as a, as a mascot. And um, he seen me play and he was the first one to have a word to me and invited me down for a trial the following year. There you go, Reggie Rabbit, not only a mascot, he's a recruitment manager, mate. Picking up some great talent and one of the better blokes we've ever got out of the bush, uh, that's for sure, mate. So what happened in those first couple of years at South, mate, through those lower grades? Uh, well, my first year um, I got graded and I was an import. And I think there was a certain number of imports you could have in, while you were there. But um, 
My first, I think I sat on the bench for the first couple of games and then I got a start, maybe through injury, I'm not sure, but um, 11 games in under 20, uh, no, it was third grade back then, 11 games there, uh, 11 games in reserve grade, which was our final game, was the grand final against Manly, which, which we won, um, yeah, and then the following year I debuted in 84 in first grade. Okay, beautiful. What was it like those, those first couple of years there, mate, down at Redfern? Excellent. Um, just with it being playing in third grade, like um, we were fortunate enough to play against players that were coming back, injured players. You know, like that that previous years, like the following year, I played in, against Manly, and um, there was a couple of ex kangaroos um, that come back through. That. So it was a real learning curve for me, and I and I was lucky enough to play alongside Peter Tunks, who taught me a, a great amount of things as a, as a young front rower um, he was a big influence earlier on in my career but he moved to um, Canberra which had a successful career there as well Yeah mate, you obviously come into grade with blokes like Mario and Boyley in 84 85 but it looks like 85 you sort of, you burst onto the scene there mate and had a, a fair dick year and finished up in the President's 13 mate I did mate, the, the previous year 84 I, I broke into first grade, very first game um, played probably Four or five games, got injured, so I went back to reserve grade. But I um, hit the ground running in '85 and had a cracking year and and made the president's 13 team at the end of the year. Yeah. And how was that experience up there in PNG, mate? What what was that like in '85? It's, it's a it's a wild joint now these days, let alone 1985. It certainly was wild. Um, it was a real eye opener. Um, you know, and they still had well, they had curfews back then. I don't know if they still do, but yeah, it was something we we stuck together, hung together, and, and had an enjoyable game. Like the game itself was very physical, probably one of the most physical games I'd played in up until that date. Yeah, yeah, well, well there's some big, strong humans up there, mate, and uh, the the crowds are absolutely rampant, and they it's the number one. Sport in that country, the only country in the world to have rugby league as their number one sport, mate. Now, 86, another another bumper year, mate. You, know, you, you just about played every game for the Rabbits and found yourself on a, a kangaroo tour with some, some massive names, mate. It was awesome, yeah. That was Georgie Piggins' first year as a first-grade coach. Um, he um, And playing under him was, as a previous bunny, you know, like it was everybody just wanted to impress. It didn't, uh, didn't matter what it was, but... Yeah, he he happened to get Phil Gould alongside, which um, he was a great on-field influence for us. Um, yeah, and and the Kangaroo Tour was was amazing. It was a was a you know the cream on the cake sort of thing for me, um, and to get to run around with all those players as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go back to George, mate. What, what was it like playing for George? You know, like the South fans just idolised George Piggins and what he's done for the club. We wouldn't be in the competition today without a bloke like George. What was it like to play for him, mate? It was magic. Uh, and as they say, like the old saying is, you'd run through a brick wall for George, and, and that's what we did. Uh, we had a great team morale, um, a good combination of younger... Because we didn't have anybody old at that stage. It was, it was a pretty young team, so... Um, and I think Gus may have been the oldest one, actually. He was coming towards the end of his career. and um, So not a more honest, genuine man you'd meet in rugby league or in life was George Biggins, yeah. And you've obviously responded to him, mate. He's had a couple of really good years there, mate. 
87, another another pretty good year. We made the semis, mate. But it was also significant year for the club. It was the final game at Redfern Oval, mate. Memories of Redfern Oval. Great memories. Um, and, and I've got to say, um, if I'm back over that way, it's just a buzz for me. You know, I get a real good feeling about the place. Um, so it was a shame to, to leave Redfern. I, I probably think... We could have stayed there had had Georgie Piggins had his way. We would have stayed there. Um, so you know, but but times change and you've got to move on. Must have been good having a win at Redfern Oval and walking over and having a beer at the Lease Club, mate. It was just too easy. And and training like we'd finished training and head across. I'd have dinner there because you're living on your own. So it was uh, ready made. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Eighty eight. He's had a bit of success as well, mate. But um, eighty nine is the team that um, people still talk about to this day, mate. And and it was obviously the most successful year you had at the Rabbitohs, mate. You got memories. What were your memories of that '89 team, mate? Um, again, Georgie, coach. Um, we just had a real good bond. Um, we had some crazy good finishes. Uh, Brucey Longbottom um, and Roscoe Rossi Harrington, and a good blend of young coming through, like young boys. Brownie, who who's a host on the show, he he had a great year in '89. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was, he was a fantastic player, Brownie. Um, ball player, tough as nails. Great trainer too, mate. Great trainer. And and you usually find with a lot of good trainers, they're good players. So he was dedicated, yeah. And I'll get in trouble if I don't mention Steve Maven, um, the man-child, mate. Um, obviously, he was in his third year by then, mate, but uh, he, he could motor, couldn't he? He certainly could. He was a big, strong kid. I, I can remember coming into Sydney and, and I lived in... Um, Oh, the Kensington area, but I, I worked around Botany and I could see this this monster of a kid. He was walking around and I thought it was an Australian jersey he had on, but it was a Botany Rams jersey. And I couldn't work out who this kid was until the following year and he's, he signed up with South. And um, i got to say, I've got to view a few more tapes because listening to this program, he was a lot better player than... <laughs> <laughs> he scored more tries than anybody. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a gun. Steve Maven, don't worry about that, mate. Um, another bloke who I used to love, and both of them actually in the halves there, I've been a halfback myself, was Craig Tugger Coleman and Phil Blake, mate. They just had fantastic years in 89, didn't they, mate? They did. Uh, Blakey was electric, um, and Tugger pretty much was the little general, really. He, he steered us around the park. Blakey ad-libbed, chip and chase, um, a great finisher, yeah. Just had incredible speed, mate. Now, um... Now, you sort of played that first game in 89 and you had an injury, I believe, a knee injury, which which kept you out for a few weeks? Uh, quite a few weeks. Uh, what I did was I ruptured my medial ligament, which was a grade three. Um, I, I um, probably I returned in seven weeks, which, which was fine. It was strong enough to play. But that very same game, I um, tore it again and, had to, and I missed another six weeks. So I was out quite a while. And the boys went on a bit of a winning streak that year and you, you come in about, I think it was that 10th game they won in a row and then you, you played that that one game up at uh, Parramatta Stadium where we knocked off Para, a hot Para to win 12 in a row and we finished up at the Sydney Football Stadium, mate, in an infamous game for yourself, mate. You, 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 you come on and, and you knock Peter Kelly's headgear off, mate. What are your memories of that game, mate? Uh, well, the, the lead-up... Um... Yeah, well, well, young block of lines had come into the front row and he probably played only a handful of games and he, he's coming up against a hard nut, as Peter 
you know, Peter Kelly. Um, and I was in the back row because I was coming off that um, injury spell. So George was probably more or less easing me into the game, moving me back to second row. And he said, if Kel tries anything, he said, I want you to look after the young bloke. Um, and that just sat in the back of my mind. I had no intentions of fighting or anything. And, um, and next minute, a little bit of a ruffle started happening in the front row and Kel's popped his head out and I've whacked him. <laughs> yeah, so incredible footage there, mate. He sort of, he took it well. He, did, he, did, he sort of looked and looked at the referee and he didn't know what to do, did he? He didn't budge, mate. He, he, he was probably shocked, but um, it, it didn't affect him in any way. It settled things down in that game, but didn't it? After that, everything sort of settled down. It was a bit bit argy bargy before that. It was, and they had a pretty fiery pack, um, and that that put a simmer on everything, which which was a good thing. Yeah, it wasn't a bad thing, mate. Now, obviously, you didn't didn't get over the line in in '89, but it, w- it was a fantastic season. Who were some of those packs that you just come up against, and you really look forward to the challenge? Um, well, '89, well, Balmain. We we sort of we looked at Balmain, and we we tried to you know, um, have a benchmark on the, the better packs of forwards that we played against. And Canterbury had a cracking pack in 89 and Balmain and the previous years as well. So we tried to get a gauge on our football by the way we went against them. Always tough, always physical. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Balmain, mate. Obviously, a name like Steve Blockeroach comes to mind. Uh, a skillful player but could also mix it. And you, you had a few stinks with him over the years, though. Eh? Yeah, um, we did, and pr- probably a lot of people may think we dislike each other, but it's completely opposite. Rochi is uh, he, he's a rugby league fanatic. He's a little bit of a historian on the game um, and a great knowledge of the game. Um, so we, we toured together in 89, uh, uh, sorry, 86. Uh, got on like a house on fire, um, and we, we played um, country rep footy together and we got on well um it was just the way the game was played back then um a little bit of intimidation um and and you know we come to blows a few times <laughs> yeah you certainly did mate and um i don't think you ever took a backward step out there Les. there's no doubt about that either to block it but mate i'm um, 89 it wasn't to be but um the following year we sort of fell off a cliff we went from minor premiers um down to the wooden spoon but it was a lot of people forget there was six or seven games that we lost by less than a try, like six points or less, mate. What are your memories of that 1990 season? It was a hard season. Um, we, we'd come off, a, you know, three or four really good seasons that we probably could have competed in grand finals but just didn't quite get there. So our effort levels were huge. Um, so we're probably a little bit burnt out. Um, and and it wasn't, you know, we did, we lost by a few, ga- a few points in a few games, so... You know, it was pretty hard pill to swallow coming, you know, minor premiers one year, back to Wooden Spooners the following year. Yeah, so how did you end up at Cronulla, mate, that, that following year? Uh, well, at the end of that 90 year, Georgie Piggins come to, to myself and as I found out later on, he, he had a chat with Mario and, and Blakey as well and he he just said to us, he said, look, we've, we've got no money in the budget for, for myself anyway. Um, he said you're probably best off trying to negotiate a contract elsewhere. So my my players manager back then, I spoke to him and and unfortunately um, that was the very first year the draft came in. So I got all tied up in that. I, I happened to sign a Brisbane uh, contract with Brisbane for, for that year, but um, through the draft system, Cronulla were below 
Brisbane, so they, they happened to do a deal with me and I went to Sharks. Okay. And uh, did you enjoy your time at Cronulla? You had a bit of success there too, mate. You, you made it, obviously, a grand final. We did, 97, yeah. Uh, I, I had a great time at Sharks. I, I was, I'd moved there when I was about 27, so I was, I was starting to settle down a little bit and being from being a young wild man. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, some great players there. Um, E.T., who I'm still good mates with today. Um, Danny Lee was a cracking front rower. I, I rate Danny really, really highly. Um, and we did have some success. We, we got to the grand final, 97, and we just pipped it by um, Brisbane. And your coach there was Johnny Lang, towards the back end there? Johnny Lang, yeah. Um, my first coach was um, Fitzy, Alan Fitzgibbons. Um, then Arthur Beetson came along, coached me for a year or two there, who was really enjoyable playing under Arthur. But um, Lange, Lange took over from Arthur and I... Got on really well with John Lang, and I enjoyed his coaching philosophy, the way you should play the game and that, and we, we really agreed on that side of things, um, and we had quite a bit of success, yeah. He's a great man-manager too, isn't he, um, Johnny Lang? Very good man-manager, yeah. That, that was uh, a big bonus for him, I think, um, yeah, and, and loved to chat. Yeah. Uh, mate, um, retirement, mate. How did you come to the decision to retire, mate? Did you know it was coming up, mate? Um, yeah, well, I was 35 at that stage. I had a bad knee, um, and, and I finished just prior to the end of the year. I couldn't continue running anymore, so, yeah, so that, I didn't want to retire, but that, that sort of, I, I had an osteotomy on that leg, and that, that retired me, so I was finished. Okay, mate, you must have missed the routine, mate, of you playing from such a young age. Crazy, yeah, I, I um... I struggled, and it, and it took me probably ten years to get over that routine. I um, like from one from turning up like because at the end of it it was fully professional. We'd train six days a week, play on the seventh. So from waking up from a routine where you had to be training, had to play, and all the rest of it, going back into the real world where you're working, and yeah, I struggled a little bit, but had a young family, so you just get on with it. Yeah, speaking of your family, tell us a bit about them, mate. Uh, I got two girls, Paige and Taylor. They're they're the eldest. Um, I got young Reese and young Trace. They're boys, um, and and they're at work with me at the moment at DP World. And they're great blokes. Um, they're great workers. Chip off the old block, and they're built well too. And they train the house down at this place, so they certainly carry me out here. There's no doubt about that, uh, mate. Um, what do you get up to these days, Les? Apart from work, I, I love my fishing. Uh, I do a lot of fishing on the port hacking. Um, I've got a tinny and a, and a hobie that I use pretty much every week. Um, I enjoy my camping and, and I get home to Dubbo a couple of times a year. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Now, do you watch much footy these days? Well, with work, it's a little bit hard because um, I work probably 50% of the weekends. I, I try and listen to it if I can't watch it, but um, I still love the game. Very enjoyable. A lot of camaraderie out here between the the workers and the supporters, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of roosters and rabbit supporters out here and sharkies, of course, mate. Now, um, who's your favourite player these days, mate? Ah, uh, geez, these days, um, believe it or not, I've I've enjoyed the wingers, and and that's pretty hard coming from a front row because they were just people that hung around footballers back in my day. <laughs> but um. 
I, I, I know Sammy's not playing anymore, but he was he was one of my favourites. And believe it or not, um, Nath Merritt, I, I really watched Love and Nath play, who hasn't played for a few years, but um, made the skill level in that today. I enjoy watching them all, really. Yeah, right, mate. Nah, there's some skillful players out there these days. And Nathan Merritt is one of my favourite players too, mate. Mate, I'll, I'll let you go, mate. Um, well, thank you for your time here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, Les. Cheers, mate. Uh, all the best to everybody out there. Okay, we're lucky enough to have Bruce Davison here with me. It's obviously a workmate of mine for the past few years. Bruce, welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, mate. Thanks, mate. I've, I've, uh, I'm a frequent listener of the, of the show and I'm uh, happy to be here speaking to you boys. No worries, mate. Now, to us, Les Davison's one of the hardest men in rugby league through the 80s and 90s, and people still talk about his um, stories today, mate. What sort of person is Les to you, mate, your father? Bundo. I call him Bund. He's, he's, um, he's my best mate. Uh, we go on a lot of fishing and camping trips together, and, um, yeah, you, I watch his footy games and all the rest of it, and I see him punching all the time, and then, and then away from footy, mate, he's dead set. The best bloke you'll ever meet, um, yeah, I'm so proud to call him my dad and proud of what he's done for the game and with South and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, he's a, he's a champion and I'm happy to be his son. Now, what sort of fisherman is he, mate? He talks himself up a bit at work. How does he go? No, he, go, he actually goes pretty good. He's a good fisher. He, he actually gets out there with my father-in-law, Andrew, um, Eddinghausen a bit, and they have a fish together. And um, No, he, he's a good fisher. He, he fishes in the port hacking and gets some, some big flatties out of there. So he does really well. No worries, mate. Anything to say? Anything to say to Dad before we before we wrap it up, mate? Uh, just thanks for everything, Bundo. Um, you're a champion, Dad, and I appreciate everything you've done for me. And and Trace would be the same. We we uh, we love you, and, and cheers for being our best mate. Thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio, Rhys Davison. On you, mate. Thanks, boys. All right, boys. I consider myself very lucky to call Bundy a mate and a work mate because um, he was one of my heroes growing up and I'm, I think a lot of the listeners out there have the same thoughts about him I mean only last week a couple of the couple of the ambassadors um, spoke about him being their top five footballers of all time boys so so yeah he's a rugby league legend one of the greats of all time tough as they come but it's just ironic that he's such a gentle soul and such a terrific guy he's just got the loveliest personality and He's a very lovable guy, our Bundy. And thanks to Reese too, calls him Bundo. And both Reese and Trace, they're both great young kids as well. And I imagine these daughters would be too. So it's a great family. And, yeah, thanks for that, Bundy. A great chat. Yeah, look, I've got a little bit to say about Bundy as well. What a champion fellow he is. A typical country boy from Dubbo. When you, like, finish your career, you go back and reflect on your career and, and you think of the people that you know, helped you get to where you were and, and throughout your career. And while I was unfortunate not to win a premiership, I was fortunate to play with a lot of good players. Some of them players, including Terry Lamb, like yourself, Mavo, we played at the Bulldogs together and Terry Lamb was there. And when I went to Penrith, Greg Alexander, Mark Guyer and John Cartwright. So I was also lucky enough to play in the 1989 squad of the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs when we won the minor premiership and I played with the, you know, a lot of the greats there including Ian Roberts yeah, and one man Les Davison he helped me a lot throughout my career and set me up for a long career he taught me how to play tough he taught me how to, to win 
And he also taught me how to train hard. So, you know, we owe Les Davidson a lot for, for our career and uh, what, what a great man he was. And he could play too. Like, everyone remembers Bundy that had all these stinks and that, but he was a ferocious defender. He could run the ball and had a great offload in him. He sure did, mate. He was, um, he was a powerhouse. He played for Australia. Uh, obviously, state of origin. And uh, it was a good good little chat. I didn't know that he played up in the Prime Minister's 13 back in, uh, I think it was 80, 86. So uh, he told me, he actually told me a story off there, there about how wild it was up there. And they, they snuck out one night, went out in the drink and had a bit of a wild night. He goes, we'll, we'll leave that one out of it. But, you know, imagine, imagine sneaking out in 1986 with Wally Lewis and Melbourne having a night out up in Pernsley. So, yeah, he is. Uh, Genuinely, one of the one of the greats of our club. Don't worry about that. I think he might have also went on a kangaroo tour, chaps. Yeah, went on the kangaroo tour of um '86. He did, mate. Yep, he's uh, got some great memories of that, and it was, it was a great learning learning experience for him. Obviously, he played right right through to those uh, mid '90s, so uh, he really burst on the scene there in um in the New South Wales Rugby League um, mid '80s. And the beauty about Les is what happened on the field stayed on the field. He's good mates with Blocker Roach. He had them great battles with Blocker Roach and uh, Paul Sheeran. And to this day, they're, they're his great mates. So what a champion fella. Like you said, chaps, we're so lucky to work with him every day. And you know on those nights out, if there was any drama, you would have been sweet with Bundy by your side. 100%, mate. So, yeah, and also... um. Any of the listeners out there thinking of going to Dubbo, you'll, you'll get the rub shuttles with the great Les Bundy Davidson because he's going to be up there. Won't miss that one for, for the world up there at Apex Oval. And once again, listeners, if you're travelling to Dubbo, book through What If. It's Aussie for travel. This is Remembering a Rabbitoh, brought to you by Export Freight Systems, with thanks to South historian Brad Ryder. And this week it is Malcolm Spencer, Rabbitoh number 411. But first, we had a bit of feedback on Dennis Sluggo Lee from last week. I spoke to Frank Cookson and he told us that Sluggo was always an immaculate dresser. And he remembers him playing in a mascot grand final and getting sent off in that one too. Also, Greg Whalen on our YouTube channel commented, I remember Sluggo very well. Him and George Piggins got into all sorts of trouble in reserve grade. But Sluggo was as tough as an old boot. They reckon he played in a dinner suit. Because he knew he was going to get sent off and just go straight to the judiciary. <laughs> and also, our mate at work, Andrew Somerville, who listens to the show, even though he's a Shark supporter, so we want more people like him. He remembers Sluggo living with Jim Morgan at Chifley, former Rabbitoh Jim Morgan. And he said that Dennis had massive hands. So, they were like hands like house bricks. You wouldn't want to get hit on the jaw by old Sluggo back in the day. Uh, my, my auntie's down from the Sunshine Coast and she grew up around that era. Her... Um... Her ex-husband, Johnny Kearns, Comanche, used to play reserve grade with him. And um, he said, um, when Sluggo would get tackled, he used to whisper a little bit of an obscenity in their ear. As soon as they got up, he just dropped them. <laughs> there you go. I, I can't tell you exactly what he used to whisper in their ear, but anyway. Mm. This is a family program, Rabbitohs yep. Radio on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network. <laughs> so Malcolm Spencer, chaps. Yeah, Malcolm Spencer. Rabbitoh, number 411. Now, Malcolm played 14 games for the Rabbitohs, scored four tries. But two of those games were grand finals where he lined up in the centres. One of them was in 1952 in a loss to the Western Suburbs Magpies. And 
that was also a game Churchill never played because he was picked in a kangaroo tour in 52-53. So they took actually the best players away and they weren't allowed to play in the grand final. I'm sure if Clive would have played, we, we wouldn't have got beat in that one. And the other one was another game Clive never played in. It was 1955 where we beat Newtown 12-11. And Malcolm got a start there and he got to lift the trophy. And the reason why Churchill wasn't there in 55, he broke his arm in the final round of the season against Manly and he kicked the goal from the sideline with a broken arm, boys. And also there's a famous photo of the boys carrying the JJ Gilton and Shield after that 55 win. And Malcolm is there holding it. So we're going to share that on our episode webpage as well. Malcolm Spencer made his debut in 1952, but then moved to East. His son Rod explains his dad was forced to go to the Roosters. East said, hey, you live in King's Cross. That's Eastern Suburbs Territory. You are ours. It's our district. Now, he hated East. So the Roosters, against his will, forced him to play for the evil empire. He's well, never... Terry Hill stopped that, didn't he? They tried to bring the draft in and he took took the league to court. Obviously, I think they forced Terry to go out to West. Mm. And they said, no, nah, he didn't want to go. We have to get Tezza on, I reckon, one day. He'd be great. He, well, I played with him in 1990 that year and he was actually the ball boy for my Harold Matthews team. So it's a, we can just talk about that. But no, he's got what a career he had. He's a good player, Tezza. And his career on the footy show, in the media, so I think he'd be good on the podcast. He played in that great junior side that featured Jimmy Dimmick, Jim Sedaris, Tricky Trindle, Peter Trevitt, star-studded Zetland team. He did. So I just mentioned we spoke to Rod Spencer, so I'm mates with Malcolm Spencer's son, Rod, and we got him in the studio for a chat, so here it is. Okay, this week's Remembering a Rabbitoh is Malcolm Richard Spencer, Rabbitoh number 411. And we're lucky enough to have his son, Rowdy Rod Spencer, in the studio. Welcome, Rowdy. Thanks, Steve. Uh, nice to be here with you guys. So we'll start off with you, mate. Where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Uh, originally from uh, Matraville. It was fantastic back in the day when the horses used to run wild and we used to ride them along Yarra Bay Beach. You can't even take a dog down there now. Oh. That was a good old days. And then we moved into a pub. George Street after dad finished playing football and uh, yeah tried to put the red and green on myself back in the day Tago was in the President's Cup and I was sorry in the SG ball I was in the President's Cup but only lasted two games <laughs> yeah I think you had a bit of a devastating injury back then you've told me about yeah just not long earlier I'd been hit by a car in George Street and resuscitated back to life broken hip broken legs compound fractures in the hand fractured skull grand mal epilepsy I had a few little problems but Still got the red and green on my back. I was proud of. Very proud of, actually. Yeah, you're a survivor, Rowdy. <laughs> we try. When I started on the wharves at Glebe Island, Rowdy was working there. And Rowdy's a big guy, you know, rough-looking dude. And I'm walking up there. I'm like my first day. And he's on a on the phone. And it's a South phone. He's talking on the phone. And he, I walk past. He goes, hey, Steve, it's for you. And I went, oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember those days. And he, he looked after me after that. I was at your 50th, I think it was. And yeah. 14 years ago. Yeah, and you belted out a tune then. I think you would like a bit of Neil Diamond, don't you? No, no, it was a song called Smoke on the Water. Oh, that's <laughs> a right. A bit yeah. different than Neil Diamond. Yeah, like yeah. Deep Purple. And the band that I sang with that night, out of my 50th, was a, bl- a band called Blow. 
and I regularly get out with them still. Or not so much since the COVID, but prior to that, it's, mm. it's good fun. Yeah, I know they're you mates with them. They're, they're old rockers, aren't they? Absolutely, hundred percent. How does that smoke on the water go, mate? The... It's about. It's actually a true story about what happened at a at a big rock concert. Boom, 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 boom. That's how it starts. Oh, I don't yeah. think you need any more than that. What about the chorus? <laughs> Just a bit of that. We all came down to Montreal. On Lake Geneva shoreline. There you go. Wow. Yes, nice, nice. No wonder he wanted to sing. Yeah, I told you. Talented guy, mate. Well, we could talk about you all day, but we're here to talk about Dad. Dear so what Dad. are your memories of Dad and playing for the Mighty Bunnies? Well, I don't know much about the Bunnies days. I was a bit young. But I remember the days after he took me to the... used to take me to the match of the day of the cricket ground. And we were sitting there watching all the boys like McCarthy and Coote, Sattler, Stevens... Uh, all them boys, and I, I learned a few new words back in them days. I told you once before, um, a Mrs. McCarthy and a Mrs. Coote, well, they were very, very vocal, and uh, they had some words in their vocabulary that when I asked Mum, she was a bit shocked. <laughs> and when I asked Dad, I got that a bit of a snigger. And they weren't in the dictionary, but anyway, I learned them later on. But prior to that, I mean, after, with Dad out there, knowing all the people he did when, owned, when we owned a pub, I mean, I was just meeting everyone that was... Anyone back in them days, you know, Clive Churchill, uh, Ernie Hamilton, Chicka Cowley, who lived not far from here, uh, Bernie Purcell, oh, mate, Cole Donahue, Dennis Donahue, oh, just was endless. And then I got to meet some champions after that, not South players, some of these blokes, but one in particular that stands out above the rest was Reg Gaznia. Mate, he was an absolute gentleman. He was immaculately dressed every time you saw him, which was at the cricket ground I usually saw him, and... Mate, just a gentleman. And Eddie Lumsden from St George. Rape, it was a little bit, how's your mother? But is, that, the, is that all through the pub? You, you met all these players? No, a lot of it's through the cricket ground. Okay. Match of the day. Yeah. Yeah, and getting, you know, too young to go on the members of, in the early days, but at 18 I started to have a drink with them. So it was, yeah. it was great stuff. Just met so many geniuses, gentlemen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it's endless. It's just endless. Well, I was told once it's not what you get out of playing the game of rugby league it's the people you meet ah. and you've just rattled off some of them names that you've met through the game of rugby league 100 percent. and i was very very fortunate as steve said a bit on the wolves to meet a man that uh, i'd met many years earlier at the at when i was in the at the cricket ground was uh, eric sims eric's was a, eric worked with the wolves with pnr yeah he became a team leader for me at stages. I think he might have worked with you, mate. Yeah, mate. yeah, we all worked together when we started. Yeah, Echo, okay, yeah. So he was a top player, top yeah, man. man. And I believe he's not real well at the moment. No, that's that's true. And um, so you mentioned a few of the guys there in that grand final team in the 1955 side. We featured a few of them on remembering a Rabbitoh, Ernie Hamilton, Chicka Cowie. But it's a legendary side. Jack Rayner. We haven't. I don't think we've Jack. done Jack yet. We no, might. Bernie have. Purcell. Bernie Purcell. So. Yeah, Dad didn't play a lot of first grade, but how did he end up in that gun grand final side in the centres? Do you know the story about that? Well, I know early days when they sort of said, what, what do you play? And then Dad said, oh, well, I play fullback. They said, yeah, well, we've got a pretty handy fullback at the moment by the name of Clive Churchill. The master. The little master. <laughs> the little master. Do you play anywhere else? He said, well, I'll do a bit of 5-8. He said, well... Unfortunately, we've got the incumbent 5'8 for Australia by the name of Greg Haywick. Anywhere else do you play? <laughs> <laughs> we've done Greg Haywick as well. He, can, he could play. And he said, well, I've done a bit of centre. He said, well, we've got a couple of handy centres there too. And anyway, he said, well, I kick goals. And he said, well, we've got a couple of handy football, uh, kickers too. He said, Wacker Graves. He said, Bernie Purcell and Clive Churchill. He said, 
can you run oranges? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing, you know. So to get in that side, you had to be pretty pretty fair. There was there was an injury throughout through that year, and it yeah. happened to be to the little master himself. Yeah, and and Dave got a chance to play, and I don't know how many games he played in that year. I'm not real sure. I was too young to understand, but. What happened to Clive that year? He broke his arm against Manly at Redfern, and that's the year they uh, put the the um, the beer box around his arm and, and taped it to his arm, and he went back and played and kicked the winning goal from the sideline. Mm. And, so, and South beat Manly and went to the grand final. In the grand final, yeah. Well, I think Dad only played five games that year, but he played in the big one, and that's a legendary side yeah. that, um, that we talked about forever. Yeah, it's like playing probably with Canterbury and Parramatta back in the seventies, and you know with Sterlos and all them boys playing. You had to be very lucky to get in for a start because they're all so good, mm. almost international sides. You know, as were South. Mm. So I was very proud of Dad for uh, getting that chance and and he came out speaking with the of, Speaking of the beer cartons, I remember the beer cartons. I used to used to rip them up and slide down the hill, yeah. back of the scoreboard there, yeah. the old Redfern scoreboard. Redfern Apple, yeah, at the back of there. A yeah, lot of fun memories there. I've that's done. where they probably got the carton to wrap his, wrap his arm up. Probably on the, on the hill there. Done that plenty of times too. <laughs> so when Dad finished playing footy, what did he, he went into pubs. Is that what it was? Or Yeah, he, um, he also got hit by a car out front of the cricket ground. Jesus. Not long before he finished his career. I think that might have finished it for him. And he was in the hospital for six years having major operations on compound broken legs and fractured skulls and God knows what. Must must run in a family. But he was a real crook and um, eventually got back on his feet. And two, three little kids then and mum worked a, worked a butt off getting um, making all ends meet. And Eventually a little claim come along and uh, we went to a pub in George Street, corner of Ultimo Road in George Street, around the corner from Chinatown. Back in the early days you, you wouldn't be eating Chinese food like we were then. I mean, we were eating it every day. It was sensational. Mm, mm. <laughs> my missus, actually, my mother actually said, "You said you better marry a chow," and I finished up marrying a Chinese lady. Good lover, <laughs> lovely eighty. Yeah, yeah, you did. River Junction Chinese food there upstairs at the Yum Chow. Yeah, first time I met her, I laid eyes and I said, "She's mine," and we've been together for twenty five years. There you go. Yeah. And your son's called Malcolm. Yes, I named him after Dad. Gotta love him and. Uh, He's a champion young kid. He's, uh, he was a New South Wales um, lightweight, uh, full-contact karate champion at uh, 19 as a Brown senior. be first-down black belts, second-down black belts. And dear old dad had to watch the whole lot, which is not, not, not fun to watch your son getting beat up and then coming back and winning. But he's since then become a paramedic. A paramedic. Yeah, paramedic. I'm the paralytic. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's since become a paramedic, and I'm very proud of him. At 23, been a fully-fledged paramedic. Yeah, God yeah. love him. And we'll just wrap it up, but your dad sadly passed away? Dad passed away, unfortunately, in 1990. Um, very quick, very sudden, um, and only 59 years of age, which is too young. And fortunately, uh, they couldn't do for him when he was in hospital, and yeah, that was it. I mean, I slept there for four days, pretty much watching him die in front of me, and uh, yeah, that's a few years ago, but... Yeah, one of them sad things, mate. But through Dad and the nostalgia of Mr. Spencer, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of nice people along the way, and through football especially, and meet yourself as inclusively and Darren, and and uh, yeah, it's just been a great thing, great journey with rugby league. You've it's, been a proud Rabbitoh all your life, haven't you? You love the club, yes, mate. And yeah. the success we've had in 2014, and then now where we're at, yeah. must be happy with that. Well, we got a peak about round 26, <laughs> and that's about what I'd like, and I think they can win the comp. I think we can too. Okay, so that's our Remembering a Rabbitoh. 
Malcolm Spencer, Rabbitoh 411. But thanks for joining us, Rod Spencer, on Rabbitoh's radio podcast. Thanks for your time, guys. Cheers, Rod. Okay, so how good was that? Chaps wasn't actually there. He was working, but me and Brownie had a chat to Rowdy, and he's a good bloke, Brownie. Yeah, top bloke, and got many stories about his dad and what we touched on. He met all the superstars of the game back then, including Langland. He, all, he did all that through the game of rugby league. Yeah, and he's told me the stories about his dad and how proud he is, and so he should be. You know, he played for the Bunnies, and Rowdy tried to do the same thing, but you know, he had that car accident. And he's proud. He's very proud when he talks about his son Malcolm, Malcolm Spencer, Jr. And yeah, he's a great kid too. And you know, if he couldn't play for the Rabbitohs, he's a he's a black belt, Dan, whatever it is, a champion black belt. So he can hold his hands up too. All right. Jeez, he could sing, couldn't he? Yeah. Smoke on the smoke on the water. He just belted it out, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. So thanks for that, Rowdy. Anyway, yeah. we'll chuff off to another break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. to go anywhere else really their record speaks for itself those record sales and you're in great hands and you also get to mention that Rabbitohs Radio sent you and you just get that little bit extra quality service so okay now in news the North American Rugby League is kicking off in May and it's a 14 team comp across the United States and Canada and it just ties in how we've appointed ambassadors there so we've got people reporting on it we've had we've had Tim Mason telling us about it He's a Toronto Wolfpack fan and also Ryan McGee in Virginia. He's heard about it and there's teams across the United States. So some of the teams are the San Diego Swell, the Austin Armadillos, the Vegas Blackjacks, Brooklyn Kings and Atlanta Rhinos. And in Canada, they've got the Ottawa Aces and the Toronto Wolfpack who are back after their failed bid in the English Super League. Now I spoke to Tim Mason, our man in Canada, about this and he said the, the Wolfpack is back in business and under the guidance of a new private investor group who have purchased the intellectual property assets. There is no tie to the previous ownership, and the owners are now simply called Team Wolfpack. So, chaps, yeah, what's, well, I know you'd be following in that American league. Well, well the San Diego spell sounds pretty good to me. They've got a little surfer on their badge there. But um, I also like the other team, a team you didn't mention, the Boston 13. Isn't that a great name for a rugby league team? The Boston 13. 
one of our listeners and a friend of mine, Harry O'Grady, he's already contacted the Boston 13 and he's hit him up to ask him, where can I buy a t-shirt for the Boston 13? So Unreal. I think it's going to catch on and I hope this league um, is sustainable. Mm. And who knows, the NRL might start feeding some players over to them and, and wouldn't that be great for the game of rugby league to just, just get a little foothold in, in the big markets they got over there in sport. We, we've got a great well, game and, and I reckon the Yanks will love our game. Yeah, well, that's what I was just about to say, Chas. The, the Yanks, they love all the contact without all the padding. They love the big hits. And to start a league over there, oh, I think it's I think it's unreal, really. And team that I wouldn't mind going over and playing for would be the Vegas Blackjacks. Imagine living in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like going to the Gold Coast. Yeah, well. You know, they're playing for the Gold Coast. They probably wouldn't win many games, but you'd have a lot of fun. Oh, you just you sleep so, five times a so week. Do you reckon they'll get the wooden spoon? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, oh, cha- I'd say so, mate. Like, like I, I think they only sleep five days a week. The the uh, the Vegas blackjacks they're out they're out <laughs> partying another couple of days. And chaps, just on the San Diego swell, well, our man Brent is uh, an ambassador there, so we should be able to get some great coverage of how that team's going. Yeah, I might see if um, Brent's going to trot down there. He's a a real estate agent over there in in that, that region, so I'm sure he'll keep it close on and he loves his league Brent so he might even strap the boots on still pretty fit Brent and never never that there you he's go a great man Brent I actually work with Brent uh, at Andrew Farrell Real Estate that's where he started his trade at South Sydney Rabbitoh well boys we'll preview this game coming up next week against the Broncos and they're getting closer to a win so it's going to be a tough encounter that sure is boys um, I mean Payne Huss came back and he looked okay but the rest of the Brisbane Broncos, they look just they're just going one out and, and the difference between them and Melbourne were, were streets apart and, and I'm going to pose a question to you boys um, without getting away from the whole Broncos game this week but um, have you ever seen such a disparity between the top and the bottom side? Uh, it's just like the first three games of the week were they were just blowouts 30, 30 plus results each one of them. Well, it's looking like that, isn't it? And we didn't mention it in NRL news, but what about the Pappenhausen show? I didn't watch a minute of it, but it sounds like that kid just lit it up. Four tries, kicking goals. And, yeah, so I have to agree, chaps. It looks that way that the top four is going to be those teams and not many of the other teams are going to be anywhere near that at all. Yeah, Manly was off the boil on, on Thursday night against the Panthers. They tried their guts out, but they were never going to win that game. Um, the Panthers sort of played a little bit like us. I think they just sort of did what they had to do, kept it pretty tight in defence, and um, just went through their plays. They, they they sort of chucked it around a bit in that last fifteen twenty. Um, whereas Brisbane sort of took it to Melbourne in that first probably twenty odd minutes, and then once they broke them open, they just they got no resilience. These other teams. Um, I think Pappenhausen scored twenty four points in eleven minutes. Uh, it was a pretty pretty impressive eleven minutes. Like, he just blew him apart. Um, yeah, he had a lot of a lot of people helping him out. I think Justin Ollum set him up for two tries, and and also uh, Big Nelson's starting to rampage. But yeah, boys, I don't know. How come the NRL talk about expansion when you got teams like this at the moment? Yeah, I was just about to say, Chas, what do you put it down to? And obviously, it's uh, probably not enough quality players to cover. All the teams, we're very fortunate with the Rabbitohs that we've got a lot of depth in our squad. And hopefully that'll take us a long way towards winning the Premiership at the end of the year. But uh, coming up against a Broncos team that's 
not playing well. They're at not a whole lot of confidence in the team. But in saying that, every loss they have, they're closer to a win. So it's going to be a danger game for us. It's just good that we're not one of those teams that's in that distant, tailed-off group. And that comes down to good management from us. We've been there. We know what it's like. And now we're this powerhouse because we've done everything right and recruited right and treated our players right. So stuff those other teams. Let's talk about their game. And let's say we bash the Broncos on Thursday. They've got to come down to ANZ. It's a home game for us. And they won last week, the Broncos. So, you know, they've had a, they've been smashed by the storm. So you have to be wary. They've still got some quality in that team. But if we keep playing like we've been playing, we're going to be very hard to beat each week, even with a couple out. Yeah, we're going to have two out of the starting lineup, but um, if we if we play that South City brand of football, we should be good enough to beat them by a couple of tries, boys. Now my auntie and, and cousins are down from Queensland, and they're they're good friends of Alfie Langer. They work at his restaurant up there, Moochar up at um, Caloundra, and Wayne Bennett's getting them a few tickets, and he's going to get them in the dressing room. So Alfie's Alfie's setting that up. So I'm going to try. We'll, we'll be all getting out there this week, boys. I think might watch it with me cousins and my auntie. Uh, well, I don't know if I'll be at the game this week, but I think Chaps will be there reporting from Rabbitohs Radio. So let's get into the predictions, mate. I think that we'll beat this Broncos side. I'd like to see us do that. Put a big score on them. So 32-10. to 10. I've got us winning. Yeah, well, look, I predicted uh, we'd win by 20-plus last week. I think I was probably the closest out of all the predictions. I think the, the game will be a little bit closer this week. Like we said earlier, it depends on Cody Walker and, and Keon. I think we'll lose a little bit if Cody doesn't play our attack down that left edge. But we've got Benji to come in and cover him. I still think we'll come up with a win against the Broncos. And I'm going to say we'll win 24 points to eight. Nice. Yeah, boys, I think it'll be pretty similar to the game against the Dogs. I'll... I'll come out of the blocks and, and try pretty hard in that first 20 minutes, but we will wear them down with this forward pack that's starting to really dominate that middle third of the field. And um, defensively, I think that's going to be our focus, and it has been in the whole off-season. I don't reckon they'll score a try to the Bronx boys. I'm going to give this a 36 points to nil victory by the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. Wouldn't be surprised. Our defence was yep. unbelievable the other day. So, Okay, boys, so before we finish, just got to mention... The Top 4 Podcast, another great show from the boys this week. And a happy birthday to our very own Shannon Donato. He's fast becoming the star of that show, boys. Happy 50th, Shannon. (laughs) Yeah, happy birthday, Shannon. Hope you and the family uh, have a great day out somewhere and hope they spoil you, mate. But um, yeah, I loved the Top 4 Podcast last week, talking about sports movies. And um, I was talking to Joe, I watched the the captain's run the other day with Jeremy Monaghan and, and our, our mate Gerald Simons the three of us sat there and we were talking about sports movies and and uh, I, I love Young Blood as well that was a great movie that Jeremy tossed up there but one of the ones that they missed out that I that I really used to love was The Natural the, ba- the old baseball movie you know, Robert Redford The Field of Dreams it was fantastic just, just on the uh, top four and the topics that they had last week were the fastest men in rugby league. And once again, we can relate to a lot of the players that they were talking about. One player that Ella thought was the fastest player that he played with or played against was Martin Afire. 
Martin Chariz Tomorrow, I had the opportunity to play with Martin in Salford. I was talking about how good a bloke he was, and and I can clarify that he's a champion fella, and what a speed machine he was. He just used to glide over the field. He scored ten tries one day in a Challenge Cup semi-final, playing for Widnes. Wow! Did you put him over for any tries, Brownie? Any any, any tries this there? Mate, I did actually. I actually he scored over five hundred tries in his career. For his five hundred, I was a try assist. Wow. Really? Yeah, a little, Gee. little L, L, LB, eh? How good's that? Beautiful. Well, was that the Willows? Well, because he's so fast, you used to be able to spread the ball uh, in your own half. And we're in our own 20. We just regathered a downfield kick. I got the first receiver and I, I threw a 30-metre pass straight on the Martin chest and he ran 80 metres to score. So then later. What a try to score his 500. Razzle-dazzle, Brown. Razzle-dazzle. Shades, Shades of Wally Lewis there. I just had visions of that. So, well done, mate. Oh, look, we should get that. I'd love to see that footage. You got the, can you dig that up for us? It'll be out there somewhere. Jeez, I'll, I'll have to see if I can uh, find that footage. Yeah, and also... El- Jeremy mentioned that Jovan Clark. If you remember yeah. that Jovan Clark. Mm. He, he was a spokesman. The boat they brought down from Parramatta. Wasn't much of him. I remember him seeing him score mm. a great try up there at um, Gosford. Yep. In one of the final games of the season up there at uh, Blue Tongue Stadium, I think it was back then. Mm. Uh, he was a fly. Another another bloke who probably wasn't as quick over a long distance, short distance, Roy Bell, a little Roy Bell. He was about yep. oh, 70-odd kilos. Brownie, you would have been there when he was there, Roy mm. Bell. Yeah, I was there with both Roy and Joven were there, and they were speed machines. Very fast, a little bit light on to play week in, week out in the NRL, but these are very fast players. And one player that was probably faster than all of them, even Martin Fire, he actually raced Martin Fire at Parramatta Stadium, and that was Lee Odenrein. Mm. He could, he could they motor. They did that at half-time with their footy boots on and everything. Then yeah. they went and played the second half. <laughs> and you also notice that LA was uh, checking out Chariots of Fire's legs. thought that got a bit creepy there, so... Anyway, <laughs> they probably were nice, but they probably were very nice. But anyway, boys, good show. It's, we've done it over Zoom, and you know, we have got heads for radio, so we're not sharing the video. Thanks for joining us, and take us away, Maroon. Thanks for listening to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel.